Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 4 through 10, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 1 through 13, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 4, verse 21 through 30, and Psalm 71, verse 1 through 6. May the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts always be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. These continue to be unusual times, times that disrupt our complacency and routine, even beyond the pandemic, which may be the greatest disruptor of all. I don't know if you all have noticed, but it's cold. It's very cold. Having a dog, I'm acutely aware of that at five o'clock in the morning. But I think about the Northeast and what they're experiencing and the record snowfall, the blizzard conditions, the severe wind chill. Thousands are experiencing power outages. That is cold and that is disruptive. And then I was looking at how the cold is actually reaching all the way down to southern Florida. So I read more. My sister lives in southern Florida. I wanted to see what was happening there. I read the article and then I reread it because I didn't believe what I'd read. I'm going to quote it. Much of the state will remain mostly clear and frigid tonight with a chance for scattered to isolated falling iguanas from trees due to sub-freezing temperatures that may temporarily paralyze them. No kidding. Scattered, isolated, falling iguanas. That's not a weather condition I've ever even considered. Very disruptive, and especially for the iguanas. Inside the warmth of our space, I'm seeing a lot of orange and black. And that's not our usual liturgical color for this time of year. It's also not our usual color that we see this late in January. These are disruptive times in the best sense of the word. As I watched the playoff game with friends last weekend, it was that unfamiliar feeling at the end. You know, it was kind of a little bit of elation And we kind of looked at each other like, what is this? We didn't know how to respond. We were so used to kind of, you know, being complacent with with whatever came. So it's, it's really a beautiful thing happening in our community today to be able to celebrate this going on, the the Bengal success and going, getting this far and hopefully further. Disruption can also be very positive. Our lessons for, day, for today speak of the unusual and the disruptive. In the first reading from Jeremiah, we hear of the Lord coming to Jeremiah and saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. From that point on, Jeremiah's life was disrupted. He kept trying to persuade the Lord that, no, 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 this is not me, not me. But no, the Lord had spoken. And then we find disruption in the gospel reading today from Luke when Jesus is at the synagogue and he tells the people present that 
Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Those were the ending words on last week's reading of the gospel, and they are the starting words here. Last week, we could have thought, oh, well, this is really going to be positive. Today, we learn otherwise. Today, we learn that the words that follow enrage the crowd. Jesus' presence has been something that, that they marveled at. Didn't they know him? Didn't they know his parents? And then his words that a prophet gets without honor in his own hometown, that puts it in a whole different place. And pretty soon they're trying to drive him out of the town, over the cliff. Total disruption. I can imagine that synagogue was a buzz for weeks and weeks, if not months to come. And last week, Phil talked about the disruption that's evident in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He talked about it in the context of, of the Corinthian community being such a diverse community and there being bickering, disagreement going on about the valuing of different spiritual gifts, disagreement about many things. And Paul is trying to address this in his writing last week and, and trying to explain that all of the gifts are important, that yes, there are differences in gifts, but where would we be if everybody had the same gift? And what is most important is that we honor all of the gifts, that we come together, that we are one. So when we get to today's reading, we might say, okay, well now Paul is off on a different topic. Paul is talking about love. And there's no question that Paul is talking about love. Bill read that passage beautifully. It's a it's a passage so familiar to us because we hear it in weddings. It's a beautiful, inspirational passage about the love that two people are committing to. We will hear that passage in funerals. It's a passage of great consolation as we hear again the endless nature of love. And we are reminded that even though the loved one who has died is no longer with us on earth, that the love that we experienced, the love we felt for them, the love they feel for, that, for us, still lives, still is eternal. So those are beautiful associations we have with that. And the downtime Bible study, one of the people present, and I didn't check with them or else I'd acknowledge them by name, but they talked about how in that passage of 1 Corinthians, Phrases from that were phrases that they had at different places in their house. And that as they were raising young children, that was a reminder for them of what love looked like, of how to model love, how to parent with love. So beautiful, beautiful associations with this reading for today. But I think it's important that we also understand that this reading for today was part of the context of Paul's whole letter. And it's a direct continuation of the point Paul was making last week. Because if we read it through the eyes that it might have been read by the Corinthians, if we hear it and the words that are used, Paul is very choiceful about what he is saying. He is very conscious of how he expresses these thoughts. And if we listen carefully, we can see they are a continuing effort to correct the behavior 
that he's seeing with the Corinthians. What Paul says is that he uses the first he uses the first pronoun, and I think it's really important that we notice that because I think part of his part of his thinking here is to use himself as an example, and and that allows him to say things very strongly. So what he says is, if I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and my hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul is owning this, using himself as an example, but really addressing very directly the conflicts that he's seen with the Corinthians who have been bickering over these gifts. Then Paul goes on to tell the Corinthians what love is and what it is not. Paul writes, love is patient and kind. It is not boastful, arrogant, or rude. He's using those words because that's the behavior he's been seeing. That's the behavior he's been hearing about. And he's telling them that is not what love is. Love is not irritable, resentful, rejoicing in wrongdoings the ways they have been acting. He explains love is patient and kind. Love rejoices in the truth. Love is a whole different way of being than what they have been tangled up in as a, as a community. And then Paul continues to make this, this point about the importance of love, the key nature of love. Love never ends. He says prophecies end, Tongues cease, knowledge ends, all those things that they have put so much importance on. All of these things end, but love is eternal. And he ends with, with the words that, that acknowledge our human limitations, that we can only understand things partially, that we are limited by our view. We can only glimpse at the bigger picture we can only glimpse. And then he closes with the verse that we all recall, and now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. My words about this are not meant to be a spoiler. I hope that this lesson continues to be used in weddings and funerals because it's beautiful, it's inspirational, it's aspirational. But Paul's intent is for it to also be corrective, for it to help the Corinthians feel a different, a different value at their core, to understand what following Jesus is all about. And what following Jesus is about is following love. Jesus' whole message is about love and how we are to each other. 
we use the love, that we use the word love very frequently. And, and maybe even more frequently now than, than we used to. We use it in the most casual sense of I love that food or I love that place or that movie or that whatever. We, lose, we use it a bit more deeply when we talk about the relationships in our lives, um, quite a bit more deeply. And, and those relationships are precious gifts. Those relationships are to be treasured and that love, that love has additionally a spiritual component to it. Those relationships that are really based in love may very well be one of the ways in which we experience God in our world. They may be a way in which we get a glimpse of God's love. Yet Jesus and Paul, when they speak of love, they speak about something more, something more vast. Theologian N.T. Wright writes that what Paul has in mind is that though it's like our other experiences of love, in some ways, it goes so far beyond them that it's as if sunlight goes beyond candles or an electric light. That the love that Paul is trying to invite them to is so much more vast, that love in Christ is so much more vast that it's sunlight compared to a candle. That doesn't detract from the beauty of candles, but it just calls us to something so much larger. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, I think about Jesus' words to his disciples. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the type of message that Paul is trying to give the Corinthians, that we are known as followers of Jesus by our love for one another, by how we treat each other, by how we walk in love. As a church, as a broader community, we are not the Corinthians, but we certainly have our points of disruption. We have points of disagreement. We have our challenges. And this passage really encourages us to embrace love as an action, as a way of being, as a fully integrated part of who we are as Christians in the world. I had a glimpse of love in an unexpected place, not totally unexpected place, but, but not, not in the kind of sense maybe that Paul is talking, but about how an organization can totally embrace love and live in love. And that was at a meeting I was privileged to be a part of um, for Cincinnati Children's last week. And there were there was a, a sobering, um, a sad underfeeling to the meeting because a beloved member of the leadership in that hospital had died. And yet when we got to the latter part of the meeting, the hospital was talking about a new program that they had just begun because they are experiencing so many shortages, just as all hospitals are, shortages of staff, shortages in, in 
many, many areas. And yet there's that deep commitment among everyone in that community to be sure to give the children who come there, the families who come there, the very best care possible, and to support each other in doing that. So a program was introduced called One Cincinnati Children's, and it invited employees to volunteer extra hours to help fill the, the, the vacancies that are occurring right now, not in clearly medically trained areas, but in other areas that would free up the medical people to do the things that they are uniquely qualified to do. And the needs were everything from housekeeping to, to getting medicine to the floor to holding babies to playing with children whose families are not able to be there. They had more volunteers than they had spaces. And as I listened to people who had done this volunteer, comments were made like, that was the most meaningful experience I've had in my entire career. People had volunteered their own time after their full work schedule to hold a baby, to deliver medicine. They had volunteered their time, but they felt so much a part of something bigger than themselves and the silos in which they usually operated. It was such a meaningful experience that the plan is to continue it because it meant so much to the people who were giving help, the people who were receiving help. It eliminated all those layers that we so frequently encounter when we think maybe our work is more important than somebody else's work or, or our skills are different than someone else's skills. It just washed all of that out. And as I heard person after person give testimony, they just glowed. In this undercurrent of sadness, they glowed. For me, that's what love looked like in that place. And it was profound. It was profound. So Jesus doesn't call us to be alike or to think alike. He certainly doesn't call us to have the same gifts. What, what limiting factors that would be. We aren't called to have the same life experiences or anything like that. And especially in the Episcopal Church, we relish our diversity. We relish our different points of view. It's not always easy, but that is part of what makes us who we are. But Jesus does call us to be together, to come together, to come together in ways that we are continually learning through different paths of love. Our focus here in this community on becoming beloved community is one of those important paths of love. So in these turbulent times and often, often isolating times, the kind of vast eternal love that Paul describes may feel even more distant. We may feel more closed off or closed in. But those feelings, those feelings, even when we're feeling most contracted, may be the invitation we need to open to God's presence even more. Jesus calls us to love, to be one in his name, follow as he leads. Jesus calls us to love one another, 
as he loves us. Let us seek always to lean more fully into this immense, vast, miraculous love. Let us walk in Christ's love together. Amen.